the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, it's the Rob Black Podcast. You can hear Rob live every weekday morning from 10 to noon on 910 AM and Talk910.com. Live from the Bay Area, your money, your life. This is Rob Black. Welcome in to the Rob Black Show on Talk 910 AM. Have a good show planned for you. Got a big show planned for you today. We got Buffett. Buffett on Black. Black on Buffett. Should be a good uh, interview, don't you think? Got some other local stories. Got some international stories. Got some Wall Street stories. It's good content. Good content for me. Every day I wake up and you never know what st- what stories are out there that are intriguing that somehow, some way, some shape, some form are tied towards Wall Street. You just never know. Uh, the store, this show kind of centers in Wall Street and it kind of spins out from there. I want to see what's happening in the world of business every day and kind of it's cyclones out of that. And sometimes we land in technology. Sometimes we land in, you know, the local Bay Area as far as news content goes. Let's get right to it today. Stock market stinks right now, and to me, that's okay. Do I want the stock market of this week to last forever? No. Do I want the stock market of this week that followed 12 glorious months? 12 glorious months. Yeah, absolutely. There's a little give and take. You can't have, you know, tulips without rain, right? Tulips are lovely, but it has to rain in order for the tulips to grow. Same thing on Wall Street. You have to have some profit-taking. You have to have some fear. You have to have some greed. It's a little mix of everything, right? So Goldman Sachs management's on Main Street in Congress today testifying. There's no chance Wall Street's going to like that. There's no chance. Senators are going to get in front of them and grill them. Grill them for all they're worth. Maybe fry them. Maybe even saute them. The opportunity to get a sound clip of saying, you stole from my constituents. There's not one senator, there's not one representative that's not going to want to do that. So, stinky economy back at their home district, as long as you, you grill the old Wall Streeter, as long as you get capitalism in the in the eyes and say, you... Made millions and millions and millions of dollars while my constituents lost money. So th- there's no way that's going to go well on Wall Street today. There's no way until this has passed us. It's what's what I refer to as headline risk. Headline risk. Now, there's another one out there that's not so much headline risk as real risk. Greece and Portugal. Basically in the news today. And it's not good. Greece's fiscal problems and the market's lack of confidence in dealing with them are spilling over into other countries. You know, Greece, will they be bailed out? If Greece is bailed out, what about Portugal? What about Spain? What about Ireland? 
They've all seen their credit default swap spreads widen considerably since Greece indicated it would tap the financial aid pledge by the European Union and the International Monetary Foundation, IMF. Five-year credit swap spreads for Portugal, for instance, have blown out from 154 basis points to 336 basis points in just a week. So we now know, the, the market's telling us, if you want to play in, in, in Spain, in Portugal, you're going to have to pay a pre, you're going to have to pay a premium. So it, it's, it's going to fall. The sovereign debt concerns, you know, how are they going to deal with them? Are they going to cut services? Are they going to cut pensions? What is Greece and what is Portugal going to do about their massive debt problems? Now, what's unfortunate is we've got earnings, glorious earnings out there today from Lexmark, from U.S. Steel, from 3M, from DuPont, from Ford. So it's, it's a market where it's, it's dealing with two pieces of news. And why do we care about Spain? Why do we care about Portugal? Why do we care about Greece? We're Californians. We never go across the Rockies. We never leave our, our home area. We never leave the West. We care because if they do collapse, banks that lent them money are going to be hurt to the tune of billions of dollars. And maybe they won't lend to me. Maybe they won't lend to the state of California. Maybe they won't lend to you. So that's the issue. And there's stories out there today on the, the housing market. So ultimately, the S&P Case-Shiller Home Index for February came in about up 1.1%. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what that means later in the show. That's a positive. The negative would be that China's efforts to curb property speculation and slow the country's pace of growth you know, have, have been clipped. Shanghai Composite down about 2.1% today. So China, a negative for the market today. Europe, a negative for the market today. In the glorious U.S., earnings are wonderful. But that's not enough to offset the Goldman Sachs. So Goldman Sachs issues. Anyway, there's your market data for starting the show. Let me throw out something that I just find, I'm going to be quite honest with you, damn intriguing. So this is how Wall Street works. This is a great lesson of investing. And investing in Wall Street, the lessons that I give you can easily be applicable to buying a house. It could be getting into business. Um, there's, There's a lot to be found here. EW Scripps. They said today that they're going to sell the unit that owns licensing rights to Snoopy. What does that even mean, right? Licensing rights to Snoopy. Now, we know Snoopy. We know Charlie Brown. We know Peanuts. EW Scripps owned a big chunk of of those images, those cartoon images. If you own a nursery and you paint a Snoopy up on the wall, they can come in and charge you. So, basically, they sold their portion... About 20%. What do you think 20% of the image of Snoopy is worth? $175 million. So if you wanted to buy the image of Snoopy, it would cost you about a billion dollars. Now, the sale of United Media Licensing, it also means Iconics has a new partnership with the family of the late Peanuts creator, Charles Schultz. They'll receive 20% ownership in that unit that owns Peanuts, and they'll pay the percentage of the sales price on it. Now, United Media Licensing represents other character brands, such as Dilbert. I'm not a big fan of Dilbert. Also, Fancy Nancy. Not a big fan of Nancy. I never understood those. Don't get it. But the bulk of their licensing comes from Peanuts. Good grief. And Snoopy. So, and Charlie Brown. Now, you know, uh, the United's licensed merchandise last year. 
How much do you think Charlie Brown licensing? How much money do you think they they made licensing that image last year? Give you give you a second to think about it. You know, China, they love their Snoopy. You've seen Snoopy in insurance commercials. How much do you think that Snoopy image is worth last year in sales? Two billion dollars. That's unbelievable. In 2009, revenue of the unit fell 10% to roughly $92 million. Uh, that figure includes United Media's syndication operation, which scripts will still own, meaning it will syndicate comic strips and editorial features. Now, the Peanuts gangs appears everywhere. You can find them on T-shirts, on greeting cards, on snow cone machines. Six decades after Charles Schultz created them. The business has more than 1,200 licensing agreements and relationships with companies. With Warner Brothers, with Old Navy, with CVS, with MetLife, with Hallmark. They've got some 20,000 new products that are approved each year in more than 40 countries. Can you imagine that? Snoopy is so universal, he's in 40 countries every year with products and swag, like a Snoopy coffee cup, right? Now, on top of that, 20,000 products per year. A scripts first bought the comic strip. Basically uh, brought him to market about 1950. And by the time Schultz retired in 1999, Peanuts was in more than 2,600 newspapers. Schultz died in February 2000. His widow, Jeannie Schultz, once was rumored to have terrorists come after her to kidnap her. Now, she's actually an amazing woman. I've met Jeannie Schultz a couple times, and she's friends with part of my family. Um, Great woman. Amazing woman. So, formerly known as Candies, it expects Peanuts to generate about $75 million in annual royalty revenue and noted pre-existing revenue share with the Schultz family separate from the new 20% arrangement. So Peanuts characters have been around forever and they'll be around forever. And I, I bring them up in large part because again, product, this company owns an image and they license that image. Playboy owns the bunny and they license that image. It's, it's, it's not the product that you typically think of. It's not like Intel. They have to make a semiconductor. And that costs money to make a semiconductor. First, you have to design it. Then you have to cut it up and bake it in a semiconductor oven. Then you have to market it and deliver it. Charles Schultz's images will, will live forever and ever and ever. And the intellectual property, the, the cost of developing that, it's all basically in the past, right? Same thing with Disney. Disney could pull out Cinderella a million times. Well, not a million. But let's be realistic. This, this earth will be thrown into the sun long before that. So... Every five years, they could bring Cinderella out of retirement. Her image, her story, the classic Disney animation. Again, I just want you to understand, Wall Street's all about product. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Coming up, I got some business time, and I've got a look at what's being said in Washington today. Some of the question and answers from the Goldman Sachs hearings. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show, 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Yes, it's the relentless pursuit of financial perfection. Get in on it. Keep listening to The Rob Black Show on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. It's The Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. 
was just reading through the San Francisco Examiner trying to find interesting stories for you. And every now and then you, you'll find an interesting story in like tucked away little areas. And these are business-related stories that could actually make you a little do-re-me. Uh, for instance, I found one on page 16. And it's tiny. It's tiny. McAfee call options gain on HP acquisition bets. Now, this isn't going to be big enough to hit the, 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 the news world. It's not going to be on ABC, CBS, NBC. It might be on CNBC. But ultimately, the second biggest maker of security software may be acquired by Hewlett Packard. And ultimately, this would allow Cisco and HP to compete a little bit more effectively. You might remember HP bought 3Com, which used to be a competitor, sort of, to Cisco. And again, it's just, you know, HP's big enough and Cisco's big enough that they are not going to come out with something that changes the world right now. They're going to add a bell and whistle to it. They can come out with a new router that adds millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars of sales. doesn't really matter. What they need to do right now is compete against each other on competitive edge. So I get it. I get it. Um, Anyway, I think you get the idea of what I'm trying to throw out at you. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639. Let's do a little bit of business news. Oh, yeah. It's business time. It's business time. Now again, I don't own shares of Ford, so why am I doing this story? Well, Ford employs a lot of Americans who buy a lot of the products that I do invest in. So am I linked at the hip with Ford? Ah, uh-uh. Is it important that I pay attention to how they're doing? Yes. If Ford is making cars and selling cars, that means their employees are, are, are at work, punching the time clock. And what do they do when they get off work? They go have a Anheuser-Busch beer. What else do they do when they're not working? They pay their mortgage. What else do they do when they're not working? They shop at Walmart. These are all companies that I can invest in. So it's important for me to watch these guys because they're, they're too big. So earnings came in at $0.46 cents a share. $0.15 cents better than expected. Woo! Car company, toot toot, yeah, beep beep, making money. Revenues rose 15% year to year to $28 billion. Ultimately, a couple new vehicles had a good response that drove the largest quarterly U.S. market share gain since 1977. Way back in 1977 when the New York Yankees won the World Series behind Reggie Jackson. Reggie, Reggie, Reggie. So Ford said its performance this year is off to a more encouraging start than anticipated. Now, they're looking at their improving performance gradually strengthening economy. Ford expects to deliver solid profits this year. Positive cash flow. They talked about how many cars they expect to sell this year, somewhere between 11 and 12 million. Now, this is kind of important because many, many years ago, it was more like an 18 million number. And then we're starting to see, well, Toyota's come in and GM's out there and Chrysler's out there and Honda's got their little niche and Hyundai's got their little niche. So we, we see all the players, right? So 11 to 12 million is kind of like the new baseline. It's what we can now expect. Doesn't mean some years won't be better. Doesn't mean some years won't be worse. But the auto industry is no longer really rolling up. They're no longer caving down either. 
Other story in the business world today of note is Larry Ellison. I love Larry Ellison. He's just a cocky SOB. And I love that about him. He's smarmy. Good use of the word smarmy, Rob, right? You look at Larry Ellison, you go, eh, he could use a little more meat on his ribs. You look at Larry Ellison, you go, eh, that beard is kind of like fake looking. It looks like a cat could lick it off, lick off his whiskers. You put a little milk on him. The guy could buy meat right now. He can buy me and put me in a box. Uh, he's so powerful. He's amazingly powerful. He could buy the, the, the Golden State Warriors whenever he wants. And he's going to buy the Golden State Warriors, in my opinion, at some point in time. Larry Ellison said today that he's going to adopt his 10B51 trading plan. What is a 10B1, 10B51 trading plan? Ultimately, he's going to sell probably 50 million shares over the next 10 months. Now, some of these shares may be acquired through the exercise of employee stock options. If Larry Ellison completes all the plan sales, he would beneficially own approximately 1.127 billion shares of Oracle's outstanding stock, roughly 22%. Now, let's take a quick look at what 22% means. When we look at this, you would own 22% of a company worth $130 billion. Whoa. So, long story short, you got to have to watch insiders. He's an insider. He's, a, he's an employee of the company. He's an owner of the company. He may start dumping shares. He can make dump 50 million shares. What's that mean? You know how I like buybacks? I like it when companies are committed to buying a billion shares that are owned. Some guys like big butts. I like buybacks. Now, with that said, when an owner decides to sell, it's the opposite to me. It's a lot of selling, 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 selling. And stock will go up or down on buying. It goes up. Selling, it goes down. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. Let's go to Bethany in San Francisco. And for the record, I like Oracle shares. Just because he's selling, I'm not panicked. Hey, Bethany, you sounded like a cat dying there. Hello? Hi, Bethany. Hello? Hi. Oh, my gosh. Rob. Bethany. Hold on, let me stick a bottle in this baby. Hi. Hi, how are you? How old's your baby? A uh, one. One's a pretty cool age. Is he he or she walking yet? She is. She's all over the place. Oh. Enjoy okay. it. It happens so fast. Next oh. thing you know, she's gonna be opening doors and falling downstairs and <laughs> it, it's nuts. I absolutely love your show and you can always be a DJ if uh things don't work out with the advice on finance. I'm never gonna be a DJ. When I leave this job I'm done. I'm gonna go coach little league soccer or something. Oh yeah, I love the music on your show. That's Anyhow, mostly hiding uh, on me. I don't want to waste your time. Waste my time. I, I've got nothing but, you know, I can't leave here for another hour, 37. <laughs> um, my basic question is, do we deplete our portfolio to buy a new house? I, ne- I say never do that. Okay. And the only time I'm going to get religious on you, Bethany, is there's a phrase that says, never steal from Peter to pay Paul. Mm-hmm. And you have to look at your money in different areas. You've got a nest egg. You've got a house. You've got um. You've got a nest egg. You've got your college savings for your kids. You've got money that you want to save for a house. Are you in a house right now, Bethany? I'm sorry. Are you in a house right now? Do you live in a we house? We own our house. Yes. Okay. And you would deplete your savings. Is it savings or is it your nest egg? It's our nest egg. It wouldn't deplete it, but yeah. it would take a huge chunk out of it. I would rather you wait another year. Um, shop for the perfect house. Shop for the perfect street. Get real comfortable with things like that, Bethany, and and then put your money where your mouth is. Um, I'd save a little bit more money if you can. Uh-huh. In large part, what are you going to do for money when you turn 60? 
So it's you only work from twenty to sixty, and how much how much money are we talking? Let's let's get that out because um, your husband may wait. Two and three hundred thousand. Um, wow. And that's not. I mean, we have a little bit of equity in this house. We have about two hundred in this house. Okay. To put towards it, but we need another two to, to three to put down so that our mortgage payments are really low. Right. I don't really like low mortgage payments. Oh, per, really? Per se. I mean, the more money that you put in the house. I think the worse, I would try to have as high as you feel comfortable with in mortgage payments. I know that sounds really odd to say, Uh but for instance, um, I bought a million dollar house. I put $400,000 down. Uh So I got a $600,000 loan. That $400,000 down to me is is a losing investment. It it loses two to 4% to inflation every year. Um, If a neighbor comes in and he's the Beverly Hillbillies, um, Uh I can't get my money very easily. If there's an earthquake... Um, I may lose a hundred thousand of that four hundred thousand. The government will make me good. They're not going to make me whole. Uh huh. So that's just something to think about. I would not touch the retirement savings. It sounds like you've got a great. I mean, you sound fairly young. Oh, thank you. I'm thirty, pushing forty. Okay, 30 something. <laughs> Two hundred thousand dollars in a four hundred one k and a couple hundred uh, in equity in the house. I mean, y'all are doing great. Your husband must I'm, make. I'm actually more like a cougar. My husband's only thirty. Good for you. <laughs> I don't know. It's a mountain lion or cougar or what it, what it's called. I'm not quite 40, so. Yeah, you're, you're pretty, still more of a mountain lion. You're going to get cougar. You're going to get a jaguar at some point in time. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, that's fine. I'll that's take fine. any of them. So um, I would delay. Okay. Um, I would delay as long as you can. And go um, for the higher mortgage payment. And, and go for the mortgage payment that you're more comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Because, it, again... Uh, anything that you put into that mortgage, it, it has no good return on investment. Uh-huh. Okay. So, but right now, I, I don't think you're in an immediate rush, Bethany. I think um, real estate prices are going to go sideways for a good year now that we're taking government stimulus away. Right. Um, I don't think mortgage rates go higher in the next year aggressively. They will go slightly higher, but not aggressively. Okay. So I'd continue saving and uh, maybe okay. look at your budget and figure out if you can't save a little bit more money and not take from that nest egg. Okay. Thanks for the call, Bethany. Thanks. It was great to talk to you. Good luck with those little rugrats. Is it one or is it one or two? There's two. Okay. And the oldest one is how old? Almost three. So three and one. That's that's exciting times. Yeah. <laughs> it's never boring. It's never boring, and it's 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 worth it, right? I think they're they're probably beating each other up as we speak. I hear. And tell <laughs> me if this is true. I hear that. After you give birth, you forget how painful it is? Well, I had a C-section. Okay. So I didn't have to experience the trauma of labor. Okay. And I had some great meds to help me out afterwards. So. I hear that if you believe in God, that God makes labor, like you forget about it the next day. Well, you know what I forgot about? I forgot about all the nights of feeding the baby all night long and being exhausted and all the uh, newborn stuff. Good stuff. Thanks for the call, Bethany. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah the, the newborn stuff, the diapers. Oh, the diapers. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's the Rob Black Show. Coming up, I got some emails for you. Plus, I got some of that testimony coming out of Washington today. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. like finding a 20 in your inside coat pocket. All right, well, actually, it's more like finding a 10 in your inside coat pocket, but it still feels pretty good. It's the Rob Black Show on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. 
It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. I got a couple of emails that are worthy of getting into. So let's do a quick couple of emails. And my email is Rob, R-O-B, at robblack.com. It's pretty easy to find me. It's Rob, R-O-B, at robblack.com. There's a letter in your mailbox. You are having new mail in your inbox. Mm, you've got mail. You've got mail. Pattern baldness. There is a message for you. Prepare to be astonished. <laughs> First and foremost, I love you people. So the email is rob at robblack.com. Brian sends me an email. Can you explain why Portugal getting downgraded on their debt has such a negative impact on our stock market. Yeah, again, it's, it's you know, Portuguese government costs billions and billions and billions of dollars to run. And when their debt gets downgraded, the fear is, how low does it go? At what point in time do they say, screw you, we can't pay back our debt? And when Goldman Sachs or Banco Santander or a German bank lends them money, it, it has that kind of, Though those assets get destroyed, those loans get crushed, and that bank can't lend as much money. Keep in mind, sometimes banks will lend $25 for every dollar that they actually have. And when they take a dollar of, of losses, they got to call in 25 other dollars. So $1, is it's leveraged. So deleveraging the financials, it's brutal. Now, on top of that, the strong euro has helped Americans in a lot of ways in the last couple of years. Our weaker currency and their stronger currency has helped our manufacturing in the United States. So now their euro is starting to get weaker and our dollar is starting to get stronger, and that's going to hurt our export business. Now it's going to help our import business, which is good, you know, which is good. You know, we're, we're a big consumer. So you kind of see how that's playing out. Um, so there's a euro effect as far as currencies and you know valuations and where the dollar is, but there's also the big banking side of it. Now, last week, or maybe it was even two weeks ago, I did a segment called FU. It was two weeks ago. It was when Spirit Airlines uh, basically said they're going to start cha- charging $45 for a carry-on bag. So I said, FU. So credit card companies, an email came in from Craig, and he says, my FU goes to credit card companies. He goes, I was going along minding my own business, making my payments. I had a lapse of a few days on a couple cards due to vacations. Less than 30 days late. Now, several of my cards reduced my limit due to the current balance. Now, i.e., he went from 18000 of current of available credit all the way down to 3000 Now, some of them put my interest rate to 31%, which brought my credit score down. It's been over six months. I recently called a cardholder, uh, Barclays Bank, which I have for Lufthansa miles. I asked them to have my interest rate drop to the original 9% from the 31%. They said that since I had a recent return of a payment from Bank of America, they could only reduce my interest rate to 29%. I said, thanks for nothing and F you. The return of the payment was because my wife spending, was spending some money from an account that I had set aside to make the payment. Even with the return payment, I pay the card extra and I did not incur a late fee. Big F you. Now, he works in anesthesia and he earned $515,000 last year. And all I'll say to that is, Jesus Christ, I need to change careers. That is good money. He said, due to a startup business, I put about 80000 into the business and got about 160000 in deductions. 
That's why I couldn't pay off the cards at the time. Also, I have an underwater house in Danville worth $1.2 million and a mortgage of one point five. Dude, you need to just... I'm sorry. I don't think you need to be saying F you to the credit card companies. You make enough money that you shouldn't have that much credit issue. And on top of that, you shouldn't be carrying that much credit. $515,000 in, in salary, you should be debt-free. I say F you, Craig, and not F the, the banking companies because you make too much money to be sloppy with your payments. Have your spouse do be your accountant or hire an accountant or set up automatic payments online. Sorry, Craig, I, I kind of disagree with you on that one. Um, and you know what, Craig? If I lent money to 100 Americans and I start and I don't know them personally and I start seeing a late payment here or an upside down house there, I would get very nervous. Now, let's let's put it in real terms. If I lent money to 100 Americans and let's say I'm a pimp or I'm a I'm a bookie, I lent money to 100 people and I start hearing around the street, around the around the, the city that, you know, hey, Joe's upside down on his mortgage or, or Skip is missing payments because uh, he's got drug problems. I'd send my goonies out to beat him up. I'd raise the rates. I'd say, look, look, you, I gave you money. You pay me now. And I'd slap people around. That's exactly what banks are doing. They basically lent money. They said, here, go, go spend our money at 9%, which, again, when they're getting it for 1% to 2%, that's a pretty good markup. But then again, this is a pretty scary economy. They don't have the ability to follow all 100 people. They have to trust the credit unions. They have to trust uh, the credit agencies and, and see how people are paying back their debt and not. You would do the same exact thing that they're doing. So I'm sorry I disagree with you. And I know that doesn't make for, um, I know that doesn't make for, you know, like, hey, Rob Black's on your side. But I see their side of the story and I have to throw that out there. to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. You can always email me too, rob at robblack.com. Do not, do not send me emails asking about stocks because I just don't have the ability, the bandwidth to answer them. There's also a legal issue with the SEC and the NASD. Um, One more email came in from Steve and he says, I do hope Oracle buys the Warriors. They deserve it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Oracle, uh, Larry Ellison, he's got the money and he would be committed to building a team. It's like, you probably hate Mark Cuban from the Dallas Mavericks. Mark Cuban's got a great story. He started Broadcast.com in his dorm room. And I used to listen to Broadcast.com when I was starting my company back in the, the early 90s. And I'd listen to hockey games from, you know, Vancouver and Montreal. I'd listen to and I'd listen. I'd be at work ten o'clock at night listening to broadcast.com. I'd listen to new artists, and uh, he, he sold that company. I think, and I, I'm sorry, I have the numbers wrong here. I think it was either four billion. It was for four billion. He sold them to Yahoo, of which, for the record, there's no inherent value in streaming audio. There was nothing there. There was nothing there. He created a business model that had no no chance of long-term having anything unique. So broadcast.com was sold to Yahoo. And then you know what he did? He shorted Yahoo. He basically sold it up, sold at a down, doubled his money. Brilliant. You may hate Mark Cuban. He may be the biggest douche on the planet, but brilliant. He knew when to sell and he knew when to, to go against the grain. 
800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. Coming up, I'm going to take a look at, at a new technology that really looks promising in the world. Also, I'm going to get to some of that Goldman Sachs testimony because it's, it's, it's intriguing. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. Don't be shy with your phone calls. I love the call from Bethany. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Good grief. like blowing 10 grand in Vegas on the first day and then making it all back and more on the second. The Rob Black Show on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. I have a group page at Facebook called I Hate Rob Black. It's a group page that I will be more active at. Let's say I get fired one day in radio. I'll be a little bit more active there and tell you about where I land and what I end up doing. I've, I've got a plan down the road for what lies be, beyond radio and television. I enjoy radio and television enormously, but I'm not defined by them as, you know, my whole life. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Um, Thea was, she just posted on my, my group page. She goes, you don't look anything like I pictured. I hate to love your show, but there it is. I can't help it. I don't know what to make of that. Huh. I don't know. And then there's another posting that I think is spam somehow. I wish you could have been at the party I was at last night. Oh, okay. I wish you could have been at the party I was at last night. My friend was being manipulated by a sparmy wannabe broker type. I called him out. If he was so smart in his investing, he wouldn't mind going to my Facebook page and helping me with fundraising for diabetes. It's such a good cause. Oh, good God. Blah, 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 blah. So that's the problem with Facebook. Too many people out there. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Interesting story on gene therapy. Now, gene therapy is this, this idea that we'll be able to cure diseases in a new, totally different kind of way. Oh, and by the way, did I mention that I got Buffett on my show today? Buffett in black. But okay, back to gene gene therapy. And that's coming up in about 40 minutes. Warren Buffett. Uh Uh-oh, Buffett. People, they're all fed up with big promises and they're not seeing the results. So Jean Erickson, a former preschool director, talking about gene therapy. He's suffering from Parkinson's disease. Mobility was improved when doctors drilled a hole into her skull. And they injected a cold virus modified to help transport a gene into our brain. That's kind of crazy, right? The gene created a mini factory within her cells to pump out dopamine. Now, the chemical that regulates physical movements. She stopped freezing up. Parkinson's, you know, kind of, you know, pulled away from her. Now, successes like Erickson's are, are starting to lead a lot of people to believe, you know, gene therapy is going to be very 21st century and it's going to be very real. Now, it had been pretty much so dropped off the map about 11 years ago when an 18-year-old patient um, basically died. So Genzyme and Pfizer are the big players in the United States. And Genzyme's publicly traded. Ticker symbol is G-E-N-Z. G-E-N-Z. Now, Pfizer, P-F-E, P-F-E. Two very different companies. One very much so cutting edge. One very much so old and stoic. Now, in Europe, Novartis is the big player in gene therapy. Ticker symbol NVS. Now, there's currently 354 U.S. studies talking about manipulating our genes. 
That's up from 116 last year. San Jose researcher, global industry analysts, that's a, a corporation. They forecast that sales of gene-based therapies could exceed 465 million by the year 2015. Now, for companies like Pfizer, this is big stuff. This is huge stuff. Why? Well, as you can imagine, you know, they got their Viagra out there, and that's going to come off patent. And you know, they're, they're, they always got to be coming cutting edge. They're so big, they got to get in the cutting edge. Now, Genzyme is so small that if they do hit the cutting edge, they hit a home run. So Pfizer just wants to keep playing. Just want to keep playing. Now, Reese's advances in, in treating brain and eye disorders have led some researchers and investors to compare the current state of play in gene therapy to the early days of biotech. Now, let me give you a little quick synopsis of drugs. The companies like Merck's and Pfizer and Eli Lilly's, a lot of their drugs were developed on a molecular level. It's molecular science. A lot of companies came along in early 1990s, late 90s, and they started becoming biotech companies. And their technology was based on genetics. So we went from a molecular science to a genetic science. I don't see anything. So um, now gene therapy would be kind of a new twist. Now there's a lot of ups and downs, lots of believers, non-believers. So if you look at Roche's Genentech portfolio, there's drugs like Avastin or Tuxin and Herceptin. You've got $17 billion in sales. That's kind of the future for gene therapy over time. So the biotech of Genentech is really telling us where we're going, but as far as revenues go. For drug makers, the goal is to move gene therapy beyond advances against relatively small above-the-neck disorders toward mainstream illnesses such as Alzheimer's, such as hypertension, such as diabetes. So they got to move away from Parkinson's, you know, which affects the brains, to other diseases that you know, you're not drilling in someone's head where it can become a lot more mainstream, where there's a lot more people with it. So genes ultimately contain instructions for cells. And our genes say, okay, now is the time for you to make proteins. And that the proteins will carry out a chemical reaction. And for instance, it could help the immune system fight infections. When a gene is defective, it doesn't make the correct protein. And that's when disease occurs. So conventional drugs use natural substance or chemicals to fight illness. Gene therapy would treat disease by replacing malfunctioning genes with healthy ones. So I don't know. To me, this is an interesting technology. When it comes to investing in the genzymes, or for instance, there's a company in, in Maryland called Genvac, and they just got a $213 million funding from Novartis. When it, and it, they're trying to go after hepatitis C. When it comes to this, I got no clue. I got no clue whatsoever as far as who, who's going to be the winner and who's going to be the loser I, and who's going to make money and who's got the right scientist. So ultimately, the way I would play this, if I were to play gene therapy, I would find a good biotech fund that has some of the names that I'm mentioning, like Genvac, ticker symbol GNVC, uh, Genzyme, ticker symbol GNZ. I'd buy a whole collection of them because, as I said, the whole segment is going to, right now, Genentech's got $17 billion in sales for some drugs that are 5, 10, 15 years old. That whole segment of gene therapy is going to try to move there. And right now, not $17 billion, nowhere close. You're talking about $465 million by the year 2015. Fractions, tiny bits of, of money, comparatively. But... Ultimately, when you're starting from nothing, that growth is a small cap company becoming a mid cap company. 
And that kind of return or that kind of exposure in your portfolio over the long haul is intriguing. And ultimately, it holds um, a lot of promise, particularly for some you know rare disorders that are out there. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Hi, Rob Black. Hi, Heidi. Hey, you know what? Our guest today, Peter Buffett, he's early. He wants to come on right now. What do you say? We can do that. All right. Um, give me a second. I'll get him up. Okay. You want to give these folks a little bit of background? I'll try. I did not expect this, so I'm kind of out of the loop. Author, Peter Buffett. Author, life is what you make it. Life is what you make it. Peter Buffett, by luck of the draw, was born with a father named... Warren Buffett, one of the wealthiest men in America, one of the wealthiest men in the world. He's recently published a book called Life is What You Make It. Uh, Gotten about halfway through the book at this point in time. Uh, We saw the name Buffett come up, and of course we had to take it. Of course we had to take it. Is Peter with us? I am with you. Hey, Peter, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, there was a, a great quote from your press release kit saying that you won the ovarian lottery, that you were born to Warren Buffett. Uh, is that how you look at it? Well, yeah, and it's actually my dad that I think coined the phrase or certainly popularized it uh, because, you know, none of us know into what we will be born. And uh, I was very lucky, but not for the reasons people think. And so part of the book is about redefining uh, privilege. <laughs> There's something that's intriguing about your father to all of the world, but there's also something incredibly private about him. So the ability to talk to Peter Buffett, author of Life is What You Make of It, it's a huge opportunity. Give us a little bit of background of what it's like growing up with the greatest investor of all time. He's the the Michael, what Michael Jordan is to basketball, your father is to investing. Yeah, and... You know, it's funny because the part of the reason I wrote the book is because for so many years people would say, you're Warren Buffett's son, you're so normal. And, you know, I thought that was strange until I realized how true, sadly, uh, it was. I mean, you know, we grew up, he lives in the house I grew up in, first of all. So uh, when I go home and visit, I sleep in my room. And and, and uh, we grew up in a very typical Midwestern house on a street. The house doesn't have any uh, fence around it. I walked to public school. Uh, I had the same English teacher my mother had in high school. I mean, just classic Midwestern stuff. And all I saw was my dad loving what he did and doing it all the time. And uh, my mother was a a wonderful support to him and the family and, and taught me a lot as well. But the point really is that they basically were just saying, do what you love, uh, and if you find something you love, you're incredibly lucky, and the, the rest will take care of itself. Not, you know, we will write you a blank check and uh, give you whatever you need. <laughs> That's interesting because a lot of people look at Paris Hilton, and and we look at her, and you go, spoiled brat. Parents, right. parents gave her tons of money. You're a musician. You're a composer. You're down to earth. And you're not terribly well-funded by your father. You're, you don't have all the money that, that he has exposed to him. No, uh, not at all. I mean, I really, I, when I left college to pursue a career in music, uh, I basically, all of us grandchildren were left some money by our grandfather. And I had about $90,000, basically. And I never expected a penny more, and I didn't get it. And I couldn't even borrow money from my dad. And I... 
am so appreciative of that because I really had to figure out how to make my own way and how to use that money wisely. And if I got into trouble, and I did a few times, I had to figure my way out of it. And, you know, that's the greatest lesson of all. Now, ultimately, this book of yours, it's coming across when you read it as a parenting guide for affluent parents, but it's also a parenting guide for people who make $10,000, $20,000 a year. There's a lot of love in your family. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because while I think I'll have a lot of upset uh, potential rich kids <laughs> because I'm telling them, telling the parents not uh, to push that, it really is about any family and anybody in transition, but any family in particular, because it is about love and respecting the kids and supporting them. I mean, there are plenty of stories of kids in poverty who, because of loving parents who supported. Uh, the idea of education and believing the kids could be anything, they got themselves out of it. And, uh, you know, so it really isn't what you start with. It's what you do with it. Speaking with Peter Buffett, son of Warren Buffett, author of Life is What You Make of It. Growing up with the name Buffett, your dad really became a cultural icon, mid-70s, late-70s. Was that tough on you? Was Was that a curse to be a Buffett or was it a plus to be a Buffett? Uh, there's no question it's been a plus. And and to tell you the truth, because I went into music at about the same time, uh, most people assumed I was related to Jimmy Buffett. (laughs) So I didn't really have any strangeness. It's only been lately, frankly, the past five years or so, where it's been a little odd uh, because you realize how uh, kind of odd people are by the celebrity part of it. Uh, But up until recently, it's it's really just it hasn't played a big role in my life, which which I've appreciated. And at the same time, people respect my dad, so it's not bad to be thought of as his son. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, I respect your dad. And uh, what well, I oftentimes I do a financial show. I'm kind of a Generation X, and early on in my career, Peter, I I, I didn't like your father, but. At some point in time, I'm like, I love the trains. I love buying railroads. It's, it's, I, exactly. I've stolen so many good ideas from your father because he's so down-to-earth grounded in, in what works. So Yeah, it's pretty amazing, actually. Now, let's go into this real quick because it, it's this is the, the tough question of the interview. In theory, you're not going to get any inheritance. It's pretty publicly well-known. You talk about it. That seems weird for our audience. That seems weird for me that... Your dad's worth billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars, and you're not going to get any of it? Well, and it does seem essentially mean or something in a way. But first of all, we're going to get something. We're going to probably get point zero 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 one percent or something. We're going to get a little bit. But the truth is, it really doesn't matter. I mean, my dad leads such an incredible example of... If you're going to make a ton of money in this world, then you're incredibly lucky to to be doing something that you love, hopefully, and makes money. You should give it back. And I really believe that. I mean, you know, if I hadn't made something of my life, I suppose I might be bitter about it. But the truth is, the only reason I probably wouldn't have made something of my life is if my dad had given me a bunch of money, you know, because I didn't get it. I've been working hard. And so when he dies, it doesn't, I don't really want more stuff. Okay. So it's not the kid with the most toys wins. I don't think so. No, I've heard that recently more than ever. And it's like, no, that's, I don't think that's really it. Let me give the kid a look. that gives the most away wins, I think. <laughs> if I were to look at your bio independently, you're wildly successful. Emmy award winning composer, um, 
producer and co-chairman of the Novo Foundation. You did music in the film uh, Dances with Wolves, uh, Hollywood labels, Narada, Epic. You, you've got music out there. You've got even the commercial side, working in commercial music. Uh, what's your, have you done any jingles that we know? Uh, you know what? Not really. It's funny because in my live show, I play some old commercials I've done, and one or two might be uh, recognizable if you saw them, but there's nothing major. I did it for about 15 years. I mean, I was my bread and butter forever, um, but nothing that memorable, sadly. <laughs> What's the most important lesson, Peter, that you learned from your your father, Warren Buffett? Probably... The, the commitment, probably the idea that, you know, if you're passionate about something, you know, and, and you have to pay attention to that, then then to be committed to it in a really, I, I, I would say, well-intentioned way, in the sense that you're not trying to be rich, you're not trying to be famous, you're not trying to do what everybody else does. You're actually just doing it because you love it, and you're putting one foot in front of the other, and basically kind of amazing things happen if that's true you know and and so i really learned the uh importance and value in just plain old commitment <laughs> what lessons peter and we're speaking with peter buffett author of find your own path to fulfillment uh, life is what you make of it uh, what would you say your father did wrong or what would have you done wrong in the world of parenting because it's easy to to exploit the good things Give right. us give us an area where you're a little disappointed. Gosh, boy, that's a tough question, honestly. I mean, that may seem crazy, but, you know, there's little things here and there, I guess, with any parent. But I really, you know, my dad, people would, would wonder, you know, for instance, if, if he was sort of a TV dad. Was he out playing ball and was he doing this or that? And yeah. there's a lot of things he didn't do in terms of, uh, you know, stuff, again, sort of TV dad type stuff. Right. But the stuff he did do, again, I have to turn it back because what I realized growing up and as I got older is that his consistency was phenomenal. I mean, he was home every day at the same time, always at the dinner table, always in the same kind of mood. You know, there was never big mood swings or being angry about something. And, you know, we can always get him on the phone, whether it's today or when I was a kid, he was always available. So... Even though, you know, again, there were aspects of sort of this TV dad thing <laughs> that he wasn't, uh, his level of, of consistency and kind of just being there was pretty extraordinary. I don't, I don't have any major uh, gripe. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's your sequel title. Being yeah, there. right. So, yes. th- thanks for joining us, Peter. Thanks so much. It's Peter Buffett. He author of Life is What You Make of It. Find Your Own Path to Fulfillment. He uses the word bliss a lot in the book, and anyone who's read Joseph Campbell knows the word bliss. And I, if I teach you one thing on the show, money isn't everything. Money is just an enabler to make sure that you have the things that you want to make you happy in your life. Um, simple things. Very, very, very simple things like, you know, being there consistently as a dad. That was a good comment by him. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's the Rob Black Show, 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.